Hey guys, Pastor Marcus here. Welcome to the Pomo Pastor Podcast, where our focus is going to be how to optimize your local Adventist church. I hope you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. Hey guys, what's up? It's Marcus here, and today I have a question for you. Have you ever heard the phrase, Adventists are always 10 years behind everybody else? Now, I don't know if you have or if you haven't, but I have heard that phrase so many times, and usually this is what it means. When it comes to innovation, for example, what we mean is, hey, everybody else was using PowerPoint and Keynote way before we started using it. So Adventists start using PowerPoint and Keynote, and we're like, wow, look at this cool new thing, and it's old news everywhere else. Or when it comes to cultural developments, for example, postmodernism has been around since the 80s, but it's only been in the last 10 or maybe 15 years that I've heard it become a central part of Adventist dialogue when it comes to evangelism and mission. Or maybe even when it comes to different developments within the Christian world. Let me give you a perfect example. In recent years, one of the hot topics in Adventism has been the emergent church. The first time I heard about the emergent church was around the year 2009-2010. And it continued to sort of evolve from there and DVDs came out and, you know, all kinds of stuff about the emerging church. But here's the thing. By around 2003, outside of Adventism, where the emerging church originated, it was already beginning to fall apart. In fact, in 2008 and 2010, Relevant Magazine and Christianity Today published articles about the end of the emergent church. And yet that's around the same time that Adventists first started talking about it, at least in any big sort of unified sense. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have done that. That's not my point. My point is that we were beginning to get riled up over a topic that outside of our church, people were pretty much getting over. So when it comes to this idea of Adventists being 10 years behind, I've observed it a lot. Now, here's my thing. I don't know if you can prove objectively that Adventists are always 10 years behind. I have no idea, okay? Um, it, even the examples that I've given, you know, there's different variables involved and there's different things to consider. And honestly, I don't think it's that important. But I have in my own personal life, sort of as an anecdote, I have seen the trend that Adventists are usually at the tail end of any cultural development. Now, why is that? I wanted an answer for this simple reason. I used to be a soldier. And one of the things you learn as a soldier is war strategy. And one of the things you learn about war strategy is that you need to be proactive, not reactive. Reactive warfare is the kind of warfare you fight when you know you've lost the war, but you're just hanging on for a miracle of some sort. When you fight reactively, you don't gain ground, you lose ground. And the thing is that if Adventists are always 10 years behind the rest of the culture, then the point is that we are reactive in all of our strategies, in all of our tactics, in all of our methods, we are reacting to what's going on around us. We're not being proactive. And so if we want to engage this world in a way that's actually meaningful and that's going to work, we can't be 10 years behind. And so I wanted to know, why are we always 10 years behind and how do we reverse that trend? Now, I can't promise you that I've got the final answer to it, but I did run into something really interesting. It was a religious scholar by the name of James P. Kars, who in 1986 wrote a book titled Finite Versus 
Infinite Games or Finite and Infinite Games. That was the actual title of the book. And in this book, he presents this idea that I've never encountered before that really helped me understand not only why Adventist churches are 10 years behind, but how to reverse that trend to begin with. Now, before I dive into that, let me define the terms. A finite game is a game that all of us are familiar with. Finite games are things like baseball, spades, pool, volleyball. Those are finite games. They have a finite set of rules, they have a finite set of players, and they have a finite objective. The game starts and the game ends. And when it's over, someone walks away with the prize. That's a finite game. An infinite game is different. An infinite game doesn't have finite rules, a finite goal, and finite players. An infinite game has rules that are constantly changing. It has players that are constantly coming and going, and it doesn't really have an end goal. There is no winning an infinite game. There is no walking away with the prize I have won the infinite game. It doesn't happen. So what are infinite games? Let me give you a few examples because it's a little bit harder to grasp. An infinite game would be something like politics. Now, there are finite games that are played within this infinite game, but if you look at the broad landscape of politics, there is no winner. There are no set rules. Those rules change and shift as culture changes and shifts. And the players come and they go. They play and then they're replaced by other players, and it just keeps going and going and going. And nobody ever gets to the end of the political game and says, I have the prize of the political game. It just doesn't happen. It just keeps going and going and going. It doesn't have a starting place, and it doesn't have a finish line. It just keeps going. And the only way to do well in a finite game is to play, not to win, but to stay in the game. That's the only way to win at a finite game, if you can even think of winning as a thing. The objective then in a finite game is, I want to win, I want to be the strongest, I want to be the fastest, I want to be the best, I want to be number one. But in an infinite game, the objective is not to be number one or to be the strongest or to be the fastest or to take home a prize. The objective is to stay in the game. That's it. Other examples of uh, infinite games are things like business or Wall Street. Um, the, these are fashion. You know, the, these are examples of games that don't have a starting point, don't have an ending point, don't have a prescribed set of rules, don't have a prescribed set of players. They just keep going and going and things shift and adjust. And it's, it's wild. Now, why does this matter? And what does it have to do with Adventists being 10 years behind everybody else? Leadership expert Simon Sinek captured something really interesting about the tension between finite and infinite games. He says this, when a finite player plays against another finite player, the, 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 the game is stable. There's a prescribed set of rules and players, etc., that they both agree to, and they play to a, to a finite set of time, and then somebody goes home with the prize. Boom, too easy. When an infinite player plays against an infinite player, for example, the US versus Russia in the Cold War, it's kind of the same thing, right? There's There's... There's, you know, it's ugly, but the system itself is balanced. There is no prescribed set of rules that both parties agree to. There are no players that both parties have, you know, set teams that are going against each other. P 
people come and go, and there isn't really an end goal in sight, even if we get rid of the threat of nuclear war temporarily, for example, it's not over. And so when an infinite player and an infinite player are against each other, the system is stable as well. The problem emerges when a finite player plays against an infinite player. That's where you start to see some really weird stuff happen. So here's a perfect example, the US versus Vietnam. The US went into that war to win. We were there to, you know, to, to, to claim the trophy and walk out of there like we did in World War II. We're here to win. We're here to take over. We're here to be the strongest, the fastest, the best. The Vietnam, um, the North Vietnamese, on the other hand, they were playing not to win, but to stay in the game. As a result, the U.S. won every single major battle in the Vietnam War, but they still lost the war. They walked away from it because what they realized was these guys are in it for the long haul. They're not fighting to win. They're just fighting to stay in the fight. And what happens when a finite player discovers that there's no finish line to this fight? They walk away. They abandon the fight. And so... When you see this dynamic play now, what you discover is that an infinite player is playing to outlast, whereas a finite player is playing to outclass. But if you're playing to outclass an opponent that doesn't care about being outclassed, you're eventually going to get frustrated because you'll discover that no matter how much you outclass him, he's still ahead of you. Always one step ahead of you. So what does this have to do with Adventism and churches and the great controversy? Let me put it this way. Satan knows he's lost the war. He knows that his days are numbered. He knows that his judgment is soon to come. And so Satan is not playing a finite game. He's not trying to win. He's playing an infinite game. He's trying to outlast the church. He's trying to stay one step ahead of the church. And so what he does is he influences culture. He changes the rules constantly. He influences culture. He influences political narratives. He influences religious division and ideologies. He's embedded in this background unfolding tension in our world and he does it in order to stay in the game. He's not trying to outclass the church. He's just playing to outlast it. The church, on the other hand, especially Adventist churches, we're playing a finite game. We're playing to win. And so we have a set of rules that we stick to. This is how we do evangelism, and this is how we do outreach, and this is what it looks like to succeed, and these are our goals, and, and here are our players, our pastors and our elders and our Bible work. We're playing against an infinite player in a, finite, in a finite way. And what happens when a finite player is playing against an infinite player is we might have success and think, wow, look, we're doing great. We got all these baptisms. But in the end, we end up frustrated because we always know that we're still one step behind. We never seem to be ahead. So what do we do? What is the solution? to this. What would it look like if Adventist churches played an infinite game instead of a finite one? I think the answer is really simple. Instead of demonizing the culture, we would seek to influence it. 
See, when Adventists attack the culture and demonize it, that's a finite strategy. We're trying to demonize the culture so we can take it down and claim the prize. Whereas Satan doesn't care because the moment you've demonized the culture and claimed your prize, he switches the rules and the culture evolves and moves in a different direction. And now you've got to do it again. And you're always reacting and you're never quite ahead of the game. It would mean that churches would focus not on how many baptisms they could get, but on discipleship. In other words, churches would focus on transforming lives to build the kingdom of God instead of reaching a quota of baptismal numbers. The numbers goal is a finite strategy. The discipleship goal of transforming the lives of every person in your church so that they can build the kingdom of God is an infinite strategy because what you're saying is we don't have a set list of players who are playing this game. Everybody's playing this game. Another thing that would change is that rather than reacting to the culture, we would anticipate the culture. We would be students of the culture, understanding the worldviews, understanding the trends, understanding the ways people think and relate and see the world. And we would adapt our evangelism to those worldviews in order to reach them, in order to meet them where they are. But we can't do that if we're playing a finite game with a finite set of rules that we've prescribed and that we stick to. And this is where Satan's always ahead of us because we're playing by a set of rules that we developed, what, 50, 100 years ago? And he's moved on. And those rules are ineffective in the current setting and we don't seem to realize it. And Satan is one step ahead of the church every single time. If we want to be the kind of church that's making a meaningful difference in our world, in our culture, in our society, we've got to stop playing the finite game. We've got to switch the way we play the game. We've got to become infinite players. If we don't, we're always gonna be 10 years behind. We're always gonna be reacting instead of being proactive. We're always going to demonize instead of influence. And we're always going to preserve instead of innovate. We've got to change the way we play the game. Well, thanks for watching the video or listening to the podcast wherever you are. If you enjoyed this, subscribe, like, and share, and I'll catch you guys next week. Well, that's all I've got time for today. But if you want some more, just come hang out at pomopasta.com. Thanks again for spending some time listening to the podcast. I'll catch you on the next one.